Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper here with Nick Whalen on this uh, week six Monday, I guess is what you yeah. call it, coming out of week five. One game left, of course, Panthers and Bucks going down tonight. Uh, no Jags this week, mm-hmm. so I know Nick was very sad about that. You probably flipped around a bit more than usual. I went golfing. It. You went golfing? Yeah, I hit the, I hit the course in the morning. Wow. Um, my two, my two uh, friends that I live with, I guess I can call them roommates, uh, are big Packers fans. Well, actually, one's a Raiders fan, one's a Packers fan. So Raiders were playing late in the afternoon. Packers obviously had the night game last night, so we, we took the opportunity to get out on the course. Um, and yeah, no, you know, didn't have the Jags game to keep an eye on, which is kind of refreshing. I'm sure you know, I kind of speak for most of America. When your team's off, obviously it leaves a little bit of a void, but it is kind of nice to you know to not have an emo- emotional investment, especially when the team that you root for has one win and you know has a propensity for crushing losses. Yeah, it does have a propensity for tearing uh, your heart yeah. out. So I guess there's there's mm-hmm. that aspect of not watching them play that is a positive. Uh, any jersey sightings at the golf course? Not at the golf course. No. Um, I'm usually the guy who wears a, a jersey golfing, but obviously it was a little bit cold for that yesterday. That's more of a summer thing. It's more like a um, hockey jersey. I don't I don't own any hockey jerseys. Really? I mean, I think the only person who can get away with that is Happy Gilmore, right? Is there much precedent for anybody golfing in a hockey jersey? That's that's exactly. I don't. Why I mean, I don't. Do it. We were just talking before. Like, I had no idea the NHL season was starting. Apparently, this week, allegedly, two, two days, two days from today. Right. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't. I don't follow hockey. Like I was saying, the the last time I followed hockey, like Eric Lindros and Peter Forsberg and Pavel Pavel Bure were, were ruling the league. Basically, what that means is I played NHL 1998 for my computer. For your computer. Computer. Why? Why do you have it on your computer? Because I didn't have any other options back then. I mean, this is I was what like seven. Something six, I don't know. I'm very confused. I, I started with PS1. Like I never had a, a Sega or a, an N64 or anything like that. So I mean, I got I was a little late to the video game game. Oh, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that explains the the PC aspect right. of NHL '98. All right. Well, let's talk about the games that went down. 
Uh, we'll start with the Sunday night game, the Packers-Giants matchup. Randall Cobb appears to be back. Nine catches, yeah. 108 yards, 11 targets, had a TD called back. I uh, got hit in the head and neck area late, seemed to be okay, walked off under his own power. We'll see if he ends up in the concussion protocol or anything like that. But the way he was used last night makes me much more encouraged about his value going forward than I was after what the Packers did with Cobb for those first three games. Yeah, I mean, he said he thought he almost died or thought he might have died after ba- that Based hit. on the reaction uh, yeah, of everybody yeah. around him. I think he was a little bit, it sounds like he was a little bit dazed and yeah, seeing you know the whole team kind of rushing over there. Um, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was like a vicious hit. I, I don't think it was an intentionally you know targeted hit and it wasn't flagged for targeting and rightfully so. Um, but I think the way that it came down, you know, so much force, you know, right on this kind of shoulder, neck area, a guy who's had some, uh, some shoulder issues before it was certainly concerning. And I thought, I thought at first it looked like, you know, he was maybe going to be in a position to miss some time, but, but after a little bit, he was able to get up and, and should be fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was easily his best game of the season you know, the best game we've seen from Randall Cobb in quite a while dating back to last year. Um, nine catches on 11 targets that they used him out of the backfield a little bit, just one carry that, that never seems to work as well as it, it seems like it should, uh, on paper, but when you're talking fantasy, you're not really expecting to get anything on the, out of Cobb on the ground game, obviously. I know there was a point where when he was a younger player, handing off to him seemed more effective, even though he's really small. Yeah. I just don't see the value in it now, given what he can do in space. It, it's the same thing with Ty Montgomery, though. They're running Ty Montgomery. Yeah, they handed to him, too, last night. Design runs for Montgomery each of the last two games. Throw him the ball in space. Well, they're, like, they're like halfback dives with these guys, you know? Yeah, and right. they, they kind of approach it as if it's a... I don't even you know it's like the equivalent of throwing a quick screen out to the you know they're not just like diving in like you're supposed to in a halfback dive like they'll kind of approach the line and try to make a move and it just never quite seems to work out like you said it's better to get these guys in space you know if you want to throw them a toss or something and get them going try to get the outside I could see that but to me running you know smaller quicker guys like like Ty Montgomery and Randall Cobb up the middle uh it's not really all that surprising that it hasn't worked for the Packers. Yeah, I, I I don't like the play designs for that, but the good news is Cobb does appear to be okay. We'll get more on his status as the week progresses. Jordy Nelson had four catches for 38 yards and a score on 13 targets. Aaron Rodgers was still missing some spots. Missing uh, easy throws, too. Yeah, Janoris Jenkins had a couple picks. I know those they weren't necessarily both on Rodgers. One of them was definitely on Nelson. The second one... I mean, I think it was probably 80% Rodgers. Yeah, I think there was some confusion. You know, Rodgers was rolling out. Devontae Adams was kind of trying to make something happen, and I think it was just kind of an improv gone wrong. And it was a pretty nice catch, the second one by Janoris Jenkins. I mean, a catch that he probably only makes 10 or 20% of the time, but but a strong play nonetheless. It kept this game closer than it probably should have been. Yeah. There was a turnover right after that Cobb TD. They got called back by a penalty. Yep. Uh, Devontae Adams scored in this game 5 for 85 and a TD on eight targets. Seems like just a three-receiver situation instead of one where a tight end is going to be viable. Richard Rodgers, one catch, six yards. No real value there. The question I think you have if you're a Packer fan, aside from Cobb, if he pops up on the injury report with like a concussion or something, would be Eddie Lacy. 11 carries for 81 yards before his exit. Unfortunately, though, an ankle injury, maybe a high ankle sprain, based on where they were icing him down and, and the way that hit happened, we won't really know until later in the week, but if he misses time, it's the James Stark show in week six yeah. against Dallas. Yeah, uh, I, I think you know James Starks, as far as backup running backs go, you know, you're not getting this massive, massive drop-off to a guy who has no experience or anything like that. I mean, we've seen James Starks be productive in this offense, but, um, I mean, Eddie Lacy looked good. I mean, he looked like he was going to be on pace for probably his first 100-yard game of the season pretty easily uh, with some of the rushes that he was ripping off in the first half. Uh, you know, over seven yards per carry, and, and obviously that was derailed by the ankle injury. But um, you know, kind of going back to what you said, like this, this should have been more of a blowout. I mean, the, the Packers, it seemed, just it was kind of similar to the Detroit game. Obviously, they didn't have you know the extreme first half success that they did against Detroit, but in the second half, uh, you know, I don't know if it was the play calling, I don't know if it was Rodgers missing throws, but it just seemed you know stall after stall um, after they were really able to control the clock in the first half. That first play, or excuse me, that first drive for a touchdown, 16 plays, almost nine minutes off the clock, um, which you know when you're missing two of your corners and, and you have a, an explosive Giants passing offense, I think 
it was kind of an effort by McCarthy to just limit the the amount of time that 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 secondary has to spend on the field chasing around Beckham and, and Sterling Shepard, uh, and even the second drive, you know, ten plays up over four minutes before the the, the Rodgers interception looked like it was probably going to be a scoring drive. Uh, you know, had that ball not glanced off in Nelson's hands. I mean, the Packers had five possessions in the second half. One was the uh, the last handful of snaps to end the game, but three and out, three and out, field goal, field goal, end of game. So yep. not awful, but just not quite what you were looking for in what seemed like a spot where the Packers should have been able to do even more through the air because the Giants' pass rush was horrible. That's it, was, what was, it was non-existent. Right. That's what was most concerning. You know, there's, there's, we've seen games where Rodgers will struggle and, you know, there's just no protection. He's on, he's on the run all game and he has to make some difficult throws. Like, that was the opposite of the case last night. And, and it, it's concerning to me that Rodgers has five, six, seven seconds, you know, didn't even have to get out of the pocket, really. He could, could just kind of scan and, and see the field. And there were, you know, multiple times he just ended up throwing the ball away. He ends up fleeing the pocket and, and kind of making a difficult throw out of bounds, things like that. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily on Rodgers or you know maybe a good job covering downfield by the Giants or or just the Packers receivers not being able to get separation. But when you give Rodgers that much time, uh, I think you expect him to finish better than you know barely over fifty percent completion rate. So weird game from Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, still doesn't quite seem like he's back. He has those plays, you know, where you know, the Devonte Adams touchdown, for example. I mean, great, great throw. One of the better throws we saw around the NFL all week. Um, but then he's missing, you know, easy kind of even just dump off passes, you know, to, to running backs. Uh, so something's not quite right with Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't know what it is, but um, I think you have to go hats off to the Green Bay line, at least for giving him that much time. Yeah, the line looked great or the Giants pass rush is just completely toothless, despite the fact they've invested a lot in edge rushers. That's, yeah. that's the big problem. I mean, they did a good job setting the edge, I thought, and that was something that, that I think Collinsworth brought up near the end of the game was, yeah, the sack totals aren't there, but they did a very good job you know, containing runners off the edge and, and kind of keeping Rodgers in that pocket. Um, and again, hats off to the secondary, I guess, for not allowing that to really kill him. Yeah, a long of 11, which was a key first down as the Packers were driving, and then just four yards on four carries otherwise for yep. Aaron Rodgers in this one. Odell Beckham scored late, five for 56 in a TD on 12 targets. Uh, Bobby Rainey led the way with 22 rushing yards. Orleans Darkwa, seven carries for 11 yards. Packers' run defense looks really good, but still, in my opinion, has not been tested by a quality running game. What, what are you talking about? Orleans Darkwa, Bobby Rainey? TJ Yeldon? <laughs> Don't even don't Theo, even go there. Theo Riddick, no, that is Dwayne true. Washington. That is true. Um, I mean, yeah, this is this is a Green Bay team that we haven't really seen. You know, hasn't gone up against an elite running back. Obviously, Peterson went down in that game, um, and they they were able to for the most part bottle him up. I guess before that, but but everybody kind of had before the injury. We'll see now. I mean, we we said they haven't been tested. Well, if there's you know a better test out there than this Dallas offense, uh, at least from a ground perspective, you know, I don't know what that is. Eli Manning was 18 for 35 for 199 yards and a TD. He missed some throws in this game as well. Oh, yeah. He's played well at home against the Saints and against the Redskins, and he hasn't played all that well otherwise in the Giants' other three games. Has Eli Manning lost something? And if he has, does that give you some pause about what Odell Beckham bounces back to? 12 targets certainly a good sign. Ben McAdoo, I think, knew there was a lot of pressure to get Beckham heavily involved. But that TD came pretty late. It wasn't it as though Beckham late, yeah. was dominating. This was against that was a, all Beckham too. I mean, that was that wasn't a great throw from Eli Manning. No, he, he made that a, throw. There's like three receivers in the league that make that play and stay in bounds. He, he Manning made that a ridiculously difficult catch that Beckham, by a fraction of an inch, was able to get his second yeah. foot down for. Prior to that, though. This is against the Green Bay secondary that didn't have Sam Shields, didn't have Demarius Randall. You would have thought the Packers had a good secondary just based on the way yeah. this game unfolded. They, they got some pressure in the pass rush, three sacks on Manning. Uh, they're credited with a sack on the uh, failed Odell Beckham end-around pass play. They gave him a sack for that? They they did. I don't even was that even that was supposed to be a pass, right? It was because he had the he had the ball in yeah. his right hand. And he kind of like started. Oh, well, I couldn't tell if that was him just down. like improving as kind of a fake maneuver. But yeah, I guess no, they, 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 they were there were routes. Yeah, Cruz. I mean, they were looking for a deep one too. I mean, Victor Cruz was basically on a fly on that play. Yeah, that that was a that was a mm-hmm. big potential play, but yeah. it got blown up right away. I think it was Latroy Guyon who got into the back. Right, that was that was doomed from the start. Uh, and Manning no did miss Will Ty for what might have been a touchdown did, down the middle. Yeah, I mean Manning could have made the throw better, but Ty. 
think should have brought in. Yeah, that, that was that was kind of that was one where you saw him just looking, you know, eyeing it as he's running. It's like, oh no, this is not going to end well. Yeah, you know, a receiver probably makes that play pretty easily as opposed to a, a bigger tight end. But if he's able to haul that in, um, I mean, he at least rumbles close to the goal line. No catches for Victor Cruz, only two for fourteen for Sterling Shepard in this one. So a disappointing game for the Giants' offense, and one a game that should have been decided by more than seven points. The yes. Packers should have won this game by double digits based on what they were able to do to that Giants offense yeah. in this matchup. Just about turned it over late, too. Uh, that Starks, Starks yeah. fumble that oh, they were that able to Stark, recover. That, that Starks was... fumble left the door open. It would have, it would have I don't know if that would have. I mean, they did rule it a fumble. Had it been a turnover, I mean, it, was, it wasn't quite clear if he ever really had possession. I think he caught a dump down pass over the middle, and then as he turned, just kind of threw the ball at the Giants it, defender it who wasn't ready for it. may have been an incomplete pass is what it right. actually w- but, could have been. Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of a no harm, no foul. Packers got it back, didn't really feel like challenging. The weird thing was is that Ben McAdoo still had a challenge left. It was like 238 to go in the game. If he challenged that as an incomplete pass, the ball comes further back, right? even just two yards, and you use these timeout anyway, so it didn't yeah. matter. Like, there was... There was no downside in challenging that, sure. and all you do is push the opposing team back. Well, you never know. It might have that challenge for the next play. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Ben McAdoo, is, is he the Ken Bone of NFL head coaches? Is that the, the most fair way to describe? Hmm. Isn't it crazy now that everyone like everyone in the U.S. just knows who Ken Bone is out of nowhere? He um, became famous in the shortest period of time I've ever seen. I think so. But, no, and like, it just... The most beloved man in America right now for you know not, not to take anything away from from old Ken, but I mean, what did he do really? He he's just a quirky looking guy on national TV. Is that all it takes? I think that's all you need. Yeah, I mean, that could be any of us. Well, I I, I kind of felt like when I I was watching the game, I wasn't watching the debate no. at all last night because why? Like, why would I want to just smash my head into the wall again right. for ninety minutes or two hours or I don't even know how long last night's debate was? I, uh, I read I the know. highlights. It, took about three seconds to read the highlights and know that's the thing about that i mean it's like this with sports too is like if you're just on twitter you know there's not this pressure to watch both or be flipping back and forth because if anything really crazy happens you're gonna you're gonna see it immediately on twitter yeah and which is nice i love it there's no reason to sit through that when there's playoff baseball and football on at the same time yeah makes no sense how did the cubs end up on mlb network the other night by the way the chicago cubs (sighs) played a primetime saturday night game on mlb network I thought it was on FS1. I, I don't know, but we'll, I had to stream it. I, we have FS1. We don't get NFL Network at, at the old apartment. Oh, you don't get MLB Network? Oh, okay. No, we get NFL Network, not MLB. Sorry, I misspoke. Yes, but like, I just wondered, like, I mean, that's the marquee matchup, right? I mean, anybody wants to watch the Cubs. I, I just, like, the NFL would never put a divisional round game on, you know, on NFL Network, would they? Like, I just, it was just shocking to me that that, was naturally, that wasn't nationally televised. If they did, they would televise it in market on right. over the air like so if it were like a packers vikings game like nationwide sure. they'd put it on nfl network but in green bay yeah. and in minnesota you'd watch it on mm. fox or whatever that that's sure. the extent of it but yeah ken bone uh, a hero to all of us i guess and in and, and might make a late run for the white house <sighs> he'll, he'll get right in votes <laughs> he will get right he'll probably finish top five <laughs> yeah i mean he's he's not Actually, a hero, of course. Mm-hmm. But moving on to the Patriots and Browns, Tom Brady making his triumphant return, 28 of 40 for 406 yards and three TDs. I was scolded for suggesting the angry Brady narrative on the show last week because why Why can't we have that? Like that, that, is, that, that can be a thing. It really isn't, though. I mean, Brady's just really good. The pass catchers are good. Gronk kind of got back to being Gronk, 5 for 109 on seven targets. He was tackled inside the five early in this game. But the fact that Martellus Bennett had three TDs just ticks me off to the core. Because I, hey, so I, I bought in big on Bennett. I have shares of Bennett all over. I was, I, was, I was really glad to see this. I mean, can they actually keep coexisting like this, or is this just what happens when you play the Browns? You get to throw for 400 yards. I think they can coexist most weeks. I, mean, I think Chris, so, too. I mean, they're, they're on the field together. It's not like they're subbing in and out throughout the game, I and mean, they're, they're running plenty of two tight end sets. 15 targets. Brady threw 40 passes. The two tight ends were targeted 15 times. Edelman still got 10, 5 for 35 for Edelman. Quiet day for him. Hogan got five targets, four mm-hmm. for 114. And he's the player that I, I think benefits the most from Brady being back. I think everybody else, I mean, Gronk was going to start producing anyway, maybe not at that level where he's going over 100 yards, but I think his limitations in those first two games were more health-related yeah. than anything else. And, and having him block had something to do with Jacoby Brissett being their only available quarterback in week four. But Brady looks good. 
everything was kind of clicking in the passing game. LeGarrette Blunt was quiet. 18 for 37 on the ground. Did find the end zone. And yet again, the Browns lose quarterbacks to injury. Charlie Whitehurst had to take over for Cody Kessler, who got hurt. Whitehurst got hurt, too. Where are they even getting these guys? They just I didn't even know he was on the roster. It's just free agent yeah. signings. That's NFL in-season free agency. Are the Browns in danger of going 0-16? No, they won't no. go in 16. Okay. I, I just, where does that win come? And I know it's still early, and I, I don't want to be too reactionary. And, and to be fair, they've, you know, they've, they're 0 5, but they've been in at least three and a half of these games. But where, where does the win come? Maybe next week at Tennessee? At Tennessee is a possibility. Home against after the that, Jets. After, if they don't win this next one, I don't know. I mean, you get San Diego at home on Christmas Eve. Week 8 against the Jets and Christmas Eve against San Diego. I think, I think the Jets wins. even are, are considerably better. And yeah, the Jets aren't good. I think the Browns can win at Buffalo in December. So if, I think they can win three. Okay. But no more than three. Their quarterback situation. But they don't have a bye until early December. Like They're not, they're not going to get any reprieve as far as these like week-to-week injuries with the quarterbacks. No. No, they're not. I, I don't know if it was a real story or not, but did you see the, the Johnny Manziel Suspension uh, lifted? Well, yeah, but like the, the Browns might be interested in, in reuniting no, with Johnny no Manziel. Way. I hope they do. Wouldn't that, I mean, that would be the perfect way to just continue this carousel. I don't see why not at this point. I mean, from an entertainment perspective, that's obviously what we're rooting for, but I don't see how that could ever materialize. I think it's a fake story, and most recently, Johnny Manziel was filing paperwork to protect the rights to Johnny football. Sure. Fair. A lawyer representing Manziel and his company, J-Man 2 Enterprises, filed paperwork with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office on Friday, one day before the nickname would have been abandoned. Never abandoned? Abandoned. I think it would have expired. Like, if he hadn't uh, hadn't filed the paperwork on Friday, the nickname would have become freely available. Oh, public available. domain? So somebody, how does that work then? It's just first come, first serve to, to like, copyright that? You know, I, I didn't take any copyright law classes. I'll have to I'll have to take a look. I got a buddy in the copyright law industry, actually. I'll, I'll try to – maybe we can bring him on as a guest to clear this up. You got a guy. All I right. got a guy. Uh, the Browns are very quiet offensively in this game. Uh, Isaiah Crowell, 13 carries, 22 yards. Terrell Pryor held in check. Gary Barnage led the way for the Cleveland. What can't this guy do? Game. I, mean, well, I think, first of all, the Crowell game was probably coming at some point. Um, I mean, he's, I, I think, overachieved through the first four games of the season and – you know, a letdown I think was coming, but um, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily reason to to kind of hop off him. I mean, maybe if you can if you can still try to sell high banking on those first four games, you can look elsewhere. But I mean, coming into this game, what is he number two in the NFL in rushing? Yeah, I think he was two Zeke's, or three. Zeke's definitely Zeke's one by now, far number one, yeah. and he added to that this week. But yikes! Still nothing from Duke Johnson either. No, Duke, a Duke's a cut. I mean, Duke's, Duke's bad. Like, it's unfortunate. Like, the way he's being used is not helping. He's not getting carries. You're not getting carries. You're not going to get into a rhythm. But he's not even doing enough as a pass catcher no. right now to be useful in PPR. Three leagues. targets in the passing game. It, it, no. I mean, at this point, if you're, just, if you're running out Duke Johnson for any reason, um, you know, injuries by weeks or otherwise, you're basically banking that he uh, catches a screen pass and somehow brings it into the end zone. Like, that's your only hope for actual fantasy production there. How about the Eagles and Lions? The Eagles losing in Detroit, coming off their bye week. I, I didn't expect that to happen at all. I mean, Matthew Stafford Can't. played well, 19-25, 183 TDs, sacked four times, but no picks. He did lose a fumble. No Lions pass catcher had more than 48 yards. Anquan Bolden led the way. Theo Riddick scored twice as a receiver. Marvin Jones once, four for 37 for Jones on five targets. Uh, Theo Riddick had 11 carries for 49 yards. Doesn't seem like the Lions want to give him more than a dozen carries in any particular game. They gave Zach Zenner the ball seven times. He turned that into nine yards. Very Yeldon-esque sort of performance from Zenner. Uh, but the Eagles had this game. They, I mean, they should have won this game. Um, you know, basically running out the clock. Detroit had just used their third timeout. It's third and two with, with I think, 240-ish left. Ryan Matthews fumbles the ball. So, you know, even if you don't get the first down in that scenario, if you get the first down, the game's over, uh, provided you don't fumble. And even if you don't get the first down, you're basically kicking it back to Detroit. You know, they're deep in their own territory. This was near midfield, um, you know, with less than two minutes to go with no timeouts. I mean, there was, there was no reason for, for Philadelphia to lose this game, but, but a late fumble by Matthews is what, uh, I mean, Detroit basically got the ball at midfield and, and didn't have to do a whole lot to get back into field goal range. It's a, it's a tough blow for Matthews. He had 16 total touches for 75 yards in the yeah. TD. 
that lost fumble. I, mean, I don't know if it's going to cost them touches next week. I don't I think, think so. he is their lead guy. And I like I like the fact that he had 16 touches. I mean, I was yeah. concerned well, we didn't somewhat. See, I mean, no no carries for Kenyon Barner at yeah, all. Nothing for Barner. Nothing uh, for Smallwood. Smallwood didn't make an impact at all. So I, I, unless Doug Peterson is like extreme old school with how he handles fumblers, mm-hmm. I think Ryan Matthews is actually in a decent place, even though that was a very costly fumble. Four for 65 on only four targets for Jordan Matthews. What do you make of the low target volume for Matthews? It's not ideal. Uh, I, I mean, Wentz spread the ball around quite a bit in this game. Seven for Nelson Aguilar. I don't know if that's really much to to read into, especially with him only bringing in two of those. I believe Aguilar was the one targeted uh, on that late pick, which I saw people blaming Aguilar for that somehow. I mean, that was, one, a great play Slay made by a Darius play Slay. I mean, questionable as, as far as the contact there, but I, I think I was kind of fine with the no call. And the, I mean, that was just an ill-advised throw. Uh, to you know, to a, a guy who's not exactly a jump ball threat, you know, an Aguilar. I think if you throw that up to maybe Green Beckham or, or Matthews, you feel a little bit better about it. Uh, but but that to me was on Carson Wentz. Yeah, I, I think it was. Still uh, played well though. Played played well enough to give his team a chance to win, and the Matthews fumble ultimately mm-hmm. did them in. Uh, let's talk Bears and Colts. Colts six point winners in this one. But Brian Hoyer, three hundred and ninety seven yards, two TDs. Jordan Howard. With a huge day, 163 yards from scrimmage. He also scored. Uh, and then you got Cameron Meredith, a team high 12 targets, nine catches, 130 yards, and a TD, doing what I think everybody expected Elshon Jeffrey to do in this matchup. Yeah, I, I mean, we were just gushing about this Bears offense, and they still somehow find a way to lose to a, a Colts team coming in off of a short London week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I certainly didn't expect almost 400 yards from Brian Hoyer, only 10 incompletions in this game, didn't throw a pick, wasn't sacked. Um, I mean, I, there's really outside of the relatively quiet day from Jeffrey. I mean, he still got 77 yards on, on five catches. The target volume wasn't great. Um, you you kind of look at the numbers that this Bears offense put up, and it's you shouldn't lose when you're when you're putting up you know 125 yards on the ground and 400 yards through the air. No, you should not. But the defense could not contain Andrew Luck. 28 of 39 for 322, two TDs. He was sacked five times. Everyone sacks Andrew Luck. It's just the way it goes. It's very sackable. Uh, Frank Gore over five yards a carry. 14 carries for 75 yards. Ty Hilton. Really so dominated good. in this one, 10 for 171 in a score. He's had double-digit targets in every game this season, really looking like a, a true like top six, top eight wide receiver in the absence of Dante Moncrief. Dwayne Allen finally producing six for 50 in a TD on six targets. But I look at the depth guys behind T.Y. Hilton. That includes Allen, Philip Dorsett, maybe Chester Rogers to a lesser degree, and I don't really want to use any of them right now. No. And I think as, as luck goes... Given the abuse he keeps taking behind that line, I kind of want to trade him away where I can coming off this big game against the Bears. Uh, T.Y., you mean? No, Luck. I, oh, I want to get rid of Luck. I, Hilton's fine. Like, yeah. Hilton, I mean, no, Hilton just gets enough targets right, right now right, where right. he's steady, but I don't feel great about Andrew Luck physically holding up behind that line. Yeah, I mean, it does seem to be kind of only a matter of time, and I think the Colts are are lucky in some ways that Andrew Luck is kind of built the way he is, and then you know as tough as he is as a, as a quarterback and as a runner, you know, I think there's a lot of quarterbacks who would probably be knocked out with something by now, uh, but but the way that Luck is built, I think he's able to withstand these hits a, a lot better than most quarterbacks. Uh, but no, I'm with you. I think even if he doesn't end up getting hurt at some point, you know, it's obviously it's very tough to predict injuries. You know, when you're getting sacked five times a game and you're getting the kind of pressure that he's under constantly it's just hard to put up anything close uh to, to elite numbers but you know without Moncrief I, I thought Philip Dorsett you know would start to see a bigger role that hasn't necessarily been the case um so yeah I mean not a, not a lot of weapons outside of T.Y. and and Dwayne Allen in this offense I was a little bit disappointed to see a C. Rogers in the box score and not have it be Charles Rogers yeah that is a little bit it's like oh good to see he's back oh no too bad Titans 30, Dolphins 17, Marcus Mariota 20 of 29, 163 yards. Not good from a YPA standpoint, but mm-hmm. excellent in that he threw three TD passes, didn't throw a pick, didn't get sacked, then rushed seven times for 60 yards in a TD. I mean, that's kind of the this is complete exactly what... Mariota performance on a day where DeMarco Murray ran it 27 times for 121 yards. Right, DeMarco Murray continues to look like 2014 DeMarco Murray. Um 
Mariota. I mean, yeah, Mariota is never going to be a big time yardage guy. I don't think, and I don't think they necessarily need him to either. I mean, you look at the the yards per attempt, right around five and a half, which isn't great, but didn't make any mistakes. Like you said, didn't get sacked through the three touchdowns. And I mean, Miami looked rough in this game. I, the Dolphins are a very, very bad football team, despite having you know a lot of weapons to like, uh, at least in the passing game. Yeah, they seem like a team that could do a lot more, but Ryan Tannehill, 12 of 18, 191 yards, two picks, six sacks, like just a mess. Yeah, I, I don't – I mean, Tannehill threw a couple of pretty rough interceptions in this game, one of them you know, way overshooting. I believe it was Devontae Parker who had just two catches. Um, still racked up 70 yards, which is encouraging, but – um, I mean, Miami does. The, the more I watch Miami, they remind me of Jacksonville, honestly. And you, you hear that the Tannehill Bortles comparisons, I think, are, are relatively, you know, accurate as far as kind of where both these guys' weaknesses are. Um, and this, the weapons are there. It, they just don't. They're not a team that you can ever trust. You know, if, if they're down three and need to go, you know, get fifty yards to to get into field goal range, you watch the Dolphins, and, and you can say the same about the Jaguars, and you just you just don't think they're going to do it totally fair Jarvis Landry oddly quiet in this one three for 28 on three targets Tennessee's defense kind of an underrated unit though they might be kind of good continue to put up good numbers overall and really shut down opposing teams I was trying to find anybody on the Sirius XM show any listener at all who was trying to buy Ryan Tannehill in a two quarterback league and Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't seem to exist so if you like Ryan Tannehill let us know what you like schedule weapons are you related coaching. to him his, his ypa is up he's at a career high yeah i don't what well, it's the picks though the picks the, are yes the decision right making now. is horrendous and i mean he only had 18 attempts in this game um you know tennessee obviously can controlling the clock uh for for much of the day 36 minutes compared to 23 for the dolphins in terms of time of possession yeah dolphins could not sustain drives in this one uh, moving on to the Redskins and Ravens, Mark Trestman has been fired as the offensive coordinator in Baltimore, Sure, in part because the offense couldn't do much. I mean, Joe Flacco was 30 of 46 for 210 yards, 4.6 yards per attempt against a bad Washington defense. I thought the Ravens' offense would be really good through the air. Steve Smith only had three catches for 29 yards on three targets. Mike Wallace, 11 targets, wasn't all that productive with those. Terrence West looked pretty good on the ground again, 11 for 95, and Kenneth Dixon had just four touches for five yards in his debut. Yeah, odd, odd game, I guess, for the for the Baltimore offense when you see 47 pass attempts um, for, as a team, you know, 46 of those with Flacco. Justin Tucker uh, attempted a pass in, in this game, uh, but they almost won the game. I mean, they had a touchdown late to Brashad Perriman with, I think, just you know, 20 or 30 seconds left on the clock that ended up being called back. Uh, after review and, and they were unable to punch it in after that so I mean the, this Ravens team is still I think pretty good um, they're sitting at three and two now I mean obviously could easily be four and one they are also a team you could see finishing you know maybe 11 and five at best but it wouldn't be that surprising if they you know finished the year seven and nine I don't think they're that good. I, I think don't, they have to win ugly close right. games if they can st- get- they can hang with everybody like they're not a team that you're going to blow out but they're also not a team that you know, in a situation like this, for example, you know, they need a touchdown late. They're unable to get it uh, against what's not a great Washington team. And I think the schedule has been pretty favorable as well for Baltimore. I mean, the wins coming over Buffalo, Cleveland and Jacksonville um, and now, you know, playing slightly better opponents, at least in Oakland and Washington, two close losses. And, you know, obviously they have two more against Pittsburgh, two more against Cincinnati. And, and it's hard to really love their chances in either of those. They've played one good team so far this year. The Jags, right. No? Oh, oh, Oakland, right, of course. Uh, no, and, and that one, I mean, they did almost win. I mean, you look at the differentials. It's, you know, six points in week one, five points in week two, two points, one point, six points. I mean, it, it's really hard to tell. I mean, they've basically been, each game has been decided by a single series. Making layups, but not convincing in their margin sure. of victory over some pretty weak teams throughout this season. On the Washington side, I mentioned, uh, you know, this is this is a team that, they're bad defensively, so I like the volume week to week and Cousins had volume again 29 of 41 for 260 a TD and a pick uh, Pierre Garçon hauled in the TD this week 5 for 56 on 7 targets for him Jordan Reed was held in check in 8 for 53 on 11 targets let's hear in a full point PPR league not a very good day Matt Jones really coming back to earth 14 carries 31 yards just 2.2 yards per carry 
Yeah, that was that was disappointing. I, I had to run him out in stake league this week uh, due, due to injuries and bye weeks, and yeah, it didn't go well. I uh, basically need Mike Evans and Greg Olson to get hurt immediately tonight uh, to, to hang on, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, one other note with Washington, Josh Doxson, the, the rookie first rounder, obviously didn't play in this game. Um, and there was, there was some talk over the weekend that he might end up on IR, so it could end up being basically a lost season for him. I think he has two catches on the year, but uh, Achilles issues persisting. So really not going to get much at all out of their first round pick. Yeah, probably it would make sense to try to get him healthy for 2017. Yeah, him, yeah. Given the importance that he has long term to that off, uh, to that offense. Uh, Texans and Vikings, Brock Osweiler with a 4.4 YPA yesterday. 19 of 42 for 184 yards. DeAndre Hopkins, despite that, 5 for 56 in a score. By low window closes on him. Lamar Miller, very quiet, 8 for 20. Vikings defense looks really good. I mean, that's just the the ongoing story for that team. It's a quality defense. They've shut down pretty much everybody they've played so far this year. A lot of attempts for the Vikings running game. 34 carries between Asiata and McKinnon. McKinnon had 20 of those 34 carries, but was outgained in terms of efficiency, 3.9 yards per carry to 1.8 yards per carry. So we'll see if that changes anything coming out of their week six bye. But Sam Bradford, impressive, 22 of 30, 271, two TDs, nine yards per attempt with Adam Thielen basically playing like Stephon Diggs yesterday, seven for 127 and a score with Diggs on the shelf with a groin injury. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, without Stephon Diggs in the lineup, I thought Minnesota would struggle a little bit. I mean, really, they're only big-time playmaker, I think, especially in the receiving core. And, you know, I like Jarek McKinnon. I think there's some potential there, but, um, you know, not nearly the talent level of an Adrian Peterson. But, I mean, Sam Bradford, I, mean, I don't, he hasn't thrown a pick yet this year, has he? I thought it was him, Dak, and Carson Wentz I going into so. the week. Yeah, and, and Wentz dropped out of that. Um, yeah, 22-30, 271, like you said, two touchdowns. Um, I mean, the Vikings just keep rolling. It was twenty-four to was it twenty-four to zero or twenty-four to three at least at one point. It was lopsided. I mean, this was early. This, this game was decided really midway through the second quarter. Yeah, never really felt close no. as this one unfolded. I, I, I like McKinnon a lot. I, I think he's still the better player of the two. But Asiata vultured the TD in addition to being the more efficient back. So I do have some concerns about McKinnon as we get to Week Seven. Do uh, does Vikings Minnesota win the six. NFC North right now? No, they still. I still don't think so. I, I think they're just one of these teams. Like, the defense is Super Bowl caliber defense. Yes. I'm not buying Sam Bradford avoiding mistakes like this. I, I, I'm not either. But at what point do we have to kind of accept that? Like maybe Sam Bradford has just been in some really bad situations over the last five, six years, and you know this might be the best one yet. And there's a reason he was drafted number one. I, I mean. I think we also have enough of a sample of Sam Bradford being bad, you know, that you can't just make that assumption right away. But, you know, this Houston defense is certainly, you know, no slouch at all. And he carved them up, you know, without really any real weapons. Yeah, the the Rams teams that he played on, Sam Bradford played on some horrible Rams right. teams. Chip Kelly's Eagles team, that not nearly you can, you, what The Eagles thought. thing I'm just willing to throw out. I mean, I mean, he's always coming back from injury. He's always getting injured. I'd but Maybe it, this is just who he is when he's actually healthy and has real system around him. Is this system even good, though? I, I don't know. It's Dorf Turner's offense, but Adam Thielen yesterday. Right, I mean, this is yeah, no different than the weapons he was playing with in St. Louis when Stephon Diggs isn't out there. And you know, Jarek McKinnon, as much as I like him, mm-hmm. he's not a, a great NFL running back. It, right. It's it's not that different than some of the personnel he had to work with in, in St. Louis for all those years. Yeah. So, I, so I'm surprised. I'm surprised as well. Out of the bye, they're at Philly. That looks like a tougher game now than it did a few weeks ago. Um, and they're at Chicago home against the Lions. I mean, this could very easily be, you know, what, a 7-0 and start, a 6-1 and start probably at worst. I think you don't look at that Bears game as a potential loss, at least I don't. You know, the Lions, some weeks they show up, you know, they'll, they'll make that a game, I think. Uh, and then after the Lions game, you're at Washington. And, you know, the next real game that you're circling, I think, on the schedule, maybe outside of the Philly game, uh, is November 20th against the Cardinals. Yes, that would be right. the next really tough game. But the Philly one, I think, will be a good test since it's at Philly. Eagles are they're disappointing to me after losing to Detroit. I know they had chances, but they should have won that game, yes. especially coming off of a bye. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business, and it all starts with a stunning website. 
with hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from. The drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or a designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners and Ken Bone fans to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy making Ken Bone memes. And when you're doing that, you don't have time to build a website for your business. You just don't. No, you really don't. You just don't. So because you're too busy, it has to be easy, and that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to WIX.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Steelers and Jets. Okay, let's, let's, let's try to find positives for the Jets first. Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't throw a pick. Matt Forte didn't get hurt. And Brandon Marshall was good when force-fed targets. Eight for 114 and 15 targets. Otherwise, that's about it. Yeah, I, the Jets are not good. The Steelers are very good. And it's looking more and more like that Steelers blowout loss to Philly was just you know, for whatever reason, an off game all around, you know, one where they got down early and just, I think, kind of got the life sucked out of them and weren't really able to make that a game. But, yeah, all of a sudden, the, the Jets had that big win a few weeks ago over Buffalo. I think it was on Thursday night. It looked really, really good offensively. I mean, it seemed like they were ripping off, you know, 15, 20-yard gains through the passing game all night. And ever since then, it's just been night and day. And I think they miss Eric Decker. Obviously, he didn't play in this one. Um, I think having both him and Brandon Marshall on the field together, it puts a ton of pressure on opposing defenses and the passing game's not the same when one of those guys is out and, you know, Marshall's continued to produce, but I don't even know how close to a hundred percent he is, um, you know, after taking that, what looked like a scary knee injury, uh, a few weeks ago and, and ended up staying in the game. But I don't know that this offense, even with Ryan Fitzpatrick, not throwing picks, uh, I mean, one touchdown on the day, just really unable to do much. It's not built to outscore their bad no. defense. I mean, their defense looks like maybe as bad as the Saints in terms of how poor they are against the pass. Right. I mean, they were able to contain Le'Veon Bell, which is nice. But they it contained him on the when... ground, but he had nine for right. eighty-eight as a pass catcher. Yeah, so he still got his numbers yeah. that way. But yeah, he really uh, kind of led the way. Twenty carries. D'Angelo Williams just had one. Uh, Sammy Coates went crazy in this game. Six for 139 and two TDs on 11 targets. Actually had uh, another opportunity, dropped a third mm-hmm. TD. So he Can you start had Sammy Coates just week to week now without being too worried about it? Target volume keeps going up. I mean, this was yeah. another increase for him. I think he can. That's what had worried me You know, earlier in the year was he was he was putting up some decent yardage totals, but it was, you know, one or two catches. One of them happened to be a 65 yarder or something like that. And, you know, you're like, eh, you know, so he's just kind of getting lucky with these big plays. Ben's such a great deep ball thrower, but I mean, 11 targets that that's something that, you know, that's not just a one week blip. No, definitely not. A uh, Falcons go on the road to Denver and get a win against the Broncos. Devonte Freeman, 23 carries, 88 yards and a TD. Tevin Coleman, four catches for 132 yards and a TD. Also had six carries for 31 yards. There was some concern, that Coleman with the sickle cell trait might be limited or unavailable in this game. He played he was kind of limited well. I mean, yeah. he was kind of limited, but they don't. It's still a timeshare favoring Freeman anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I'm not. I'm. I'm wondering how many snaps did he really lose? How many touches? Like four to five, maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, with this game, with the the sickle cell thing, like you said, with the atmosphere, I'm just gonna stop holding just, this. Just get rid of the pen. Like, oh, for what are you gonna write on? You don't even have paper over there. I'm holding it in my offhand. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't prepared to write anything. Um, but yeah, if you're wondering what that you know periodic banging noise is, it's me dropping a pen on the table. It's adding. Um, it's adding a, like a subtle yeah. level of professionalism to our pod. Right. Yeah, we're doing this live. Um, but this is the second week, or twice in three weeks now, that we've seen Freeman and Coleman both be productive in the same week with kind of a mixture of the rushing and the passing game. Uh, it was the same scenario against New Orleans and. In some ways, I think we were willing to throw that out just because of how bad that New Orleans D is. But uh, the Denver D is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And this wasn't an offensive explosion by any means from Atlanta, but at least I expected that the Denver defense to give them big trouble. And it was kind of the other way around. I mean, this game really wasn't quite as close throughout as the score would indicate. So here's the question now. Like With the the bet we made last week right. on the pod, the, the four versus the field, how are you feeling about that right now? Are you asking me like if Atlanta is maybe a team I wish I would have gone with? Yeah, do you have or... regrets that you took Seattle over Atlanta? No, no, I don't. I mean, this team was five and one last year and finished eight and eight. Um, I just, it's hard. I mean, this defense is still not good, right? Still not good. It's still not good. I mean, they 
they went up against Paxton Lynch making his first start. I think that was kind of lost in the fray of this game. Uh, I don't know if people just expected him to step right in and, and be fine, kind of like Simeon was. I don't think that's really realistic, although Lynch was decent uh, in this game. Did throw a pick, but 23 of 35, got over 220 yards. Um, no, I mean, I'm still not sold on Atlanta. I, I still think... I still think that's Carolina's division, um, and maybe if they lose tonight uh, with Derek Anderson, it, it, things get really rocky there because it's, it's tough to win a division when you start one and four. Um, but I, I still think when healthy, they're they're the team to beat. But I mean, this is it doesn't get a, there's not much better win, I guess, when you're looking for a team in Atlanta that you kind of wonder if it's a product of playing bad defenses or if they're actually good. You go on the road and play the best defense uh, in the NFL and and win that game pretty handily um i mean it's a big endorsement for atlanta it's impressive paxton lynch took the start for denver 23 of 35 223 a td and a pick he was sacked six times they expect trevor simeon to be back uh for week six cj anderson was quiet 11 for 41 Uh, demarius thomas 5 for 49 and a score on seven targets seven for 80 on nine targets for emmanuel sanders we mentioned the running backs the atlanta passing game was relatively quiet it was mostly coleman doing all the damage ryan finished 15 for 28 267 yards only one td and julio jones bottled up two carries or two catches rather for 29 yards yeah i mean it's clear i think the the plan for denver defensively was don't let julio jones get to 300 yards and don't let julio jones beat you and I think Atlanta. Good plan. It is don't, a good don't plan. Don't let Julio get three hundred. Right. Generally, that's a great plan. Um, you do kind of wonder if maybe you, know, you hear about defenses selling out for the run. Maybe they sold out too much for the pass in this game. Um, you know, allowing Atlanta to rush for one hundred twenty yards, which is very you know uncharacteristic of this Denver defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, a quiet day from Julio Jones. Not necessarily all that unexpected. I mean, we talked last week. You got to consider benching Matt Ryan against this defense. Um, you got to consider benching both of the running backs against this defense, which would somewhat backfired, especially in Coleman. But I mean, with Julio Jones, it was the the risk of him still going off against the Denver defense was too great. But on the other hand, in retrospect, you know, this isn't all that surprising of a result. No, I mean, I, I guess. I guess I maybe underestimated the difficulty of rolling out there with a rookie quarterback right. versus a guy, Simeon, who's that's BS. Simeon's kind of a rookie too. He is a rookie. experience. Like he's he's not a guy that's played before this year. It's a surprise. Like I, it's surprise. The biggest surprise to me is that C.J. Anderson didn't do more as a runner. I yeah. thought he'd have a huge day against the Falcons. He didn't do it. Maybe Atlanta's defense is better than I'm giving mm-hmm. him credit for. Maybe yeah. I, I went with C.J. Anderson on on a great website called FanDuel. This week, uh, I also paired it with Eddie Lacy, so that didn't that didn't work out all that well. But I'm just waiting to get uh, to get hazed by our our colleague Chris Benzine when once he checks the the standings for this week's RotoWire contest on FanDuel. <laughs> that will happen. That will definitely happen. Uh, Bengals Cowboys. Zeke made it look really easy. 15 carries, 134 yards, two TDs, three catches for 37 yards. Dak had a passing TD and a rushing TD. 18 for 24, 227 yards. Of course, the national sports media, which I don't consider us to be a part of, uh, they're talking about Dak versus Romo when Romo's healthy. It's a legit question because oh, yeah. Dallas has played very, very well. And I mean, Tony Romo is coming back from a pretty significant injury. So maybe the Cowboys just say, hey, we're going to put you on the shelf for the whole season and I we'll let you know. heal up. It's tough. I mean, it. It's a situation I almost think if you're Dallas, like obviously you want to be four and one. I mean, this is considering you lost your your starting quarterback, uh, sitting at four and one with the way that Prescott's playing, and you'll you'll take it. That's as good um, as things could possibly be. Yeah, I mean, Brandon they, Whedon's not out there ruining yeah. your season. And they easily could have won Week One against the Giants too at home, and that was a very winnable game. This could be a five and zero team, and they, they go into Green Bay uh, next weekend. So we'll find out more about this Dallas team them, and then they're, they get a bye, and then they're home to Philly. So two tough games in a row with that bye in between. Um, but yeah, you do wonder. I, mean, I don't know off the top of my head when they're expecting Romo back. It seems like it's kind of day to day, week to week. But Jerry Jones said this is Tony Romo's team, um, and he said once Tony Romo's back, he's going to be the starter. The question is if Dak Prescott rolls in and, and beats Green Bay handily next week, and they're five and one. Which I don't know if that'll happen. I don't. I don't think it'll happen. But beats it could them, happen. Beats them handily. If it happens, then what I'm saying is that question just becomes bigger and bigger. Like the better that Prescott plays, like if you're if you're Dallas, like and you lose a game, it's almost better if Dak like implodes and throws four picks because then you can say like, okay, now it's a little bit easier to to make this decision. Yeah, I guess that. Would I mean, it's it, obviously them, not how they're thinking about it, but it it's a tough call. 
There's in, no right in, answer. In a league where so many teams have crap quarterback situations, to have a young quarterback that you like, that is a gift. And right. if, you, if the Cowboys well, are looking at that as anything other than a gift, they are Well, the other thing mistaken. is, like, I mean, what is Tony Romo, 36, 37? 36 with, like, multiple back or right. uh, like it's, it's not like It's not like he's 28 years old and you're, you, have, you might say, like, man, if, if we don't go with Dak now, like, this might be it. Like, we might have to trade him, you know, Garoppolo type of situation. Like, it's not the Rivers and Breeze situation no, no. in San Diego exactly. years ago. Exactly. I mean, it, it's a situation where you can, you can kind of rationalize it with, with Dak and say, all right, you know, we have Tony Romo coming back. Maybe this is your team next year. If not next year, probably the year after. Like, I think I think it's a that makes the decision a little bit easier that at least you're not just kind of casting off Prescott. If you look at the, the next four weeks at Green Bay, a home against the Eagles after the bye, on the road against Cleveland, on the road against Pittsburgh, two and two, like a, a reasonable expectation. I think I mean, they lose the Pittsburgh game for sure. They probably lose the Green Bay game. They could lose home to the Eagles. Probably won't. The Green Bay game will be interesting because we have you know the best running attack in the league against a defense that's been really incredible against the run. I have no idea how to predict what's going to happen. I don't know. It's just the Cowboys just seem they're on another level right now with how they're able to move the ball on the ground. Though I'm a little bit. I think Green Bay's defense is legitimately very good against the run, and it'll be a good matchup, but I, I don't think they're just going to completely shut down Zeke. I don't even know if that's possible right now. No, Zeke has already destroyed the state of Wisconsin once before, and I, I feel uh, like... Big Ten title game. It would be... If Zeke comes out at Lambeau and rolls up like 125, two TDs, that's going to be a sad day. Yeah, well, is, it gonna, is, any, is Saturday's game going to be indicative at all? I mean, we get... Zeke's Ohio State Buckeyes are at Wisconsin Saturday night. And then we get Zeke himself at the Green Bay-Wisconsin Packers on Sunday. I hope they don't let Zeke come down to Madison for that game. I assume it's a yeah, night game. They, they probably wouldn't. Probably not. NFL teams, I imagine, are a little bit like the college teams in that you travel. You kind of got to yeah. get in early. There's curfew. I mean, players obviously yeah, I mean, bail I think on it. They'll obviously be in Green Bay before Saturday, right? I would think they'd get in either early Saturday or late Friday. I don't think Zeke will be in Madison for that game. I doubt it. Hopefully he's I not. doubt it. Uh, speaking of Madison, Andrew Bogut uh, of the Dallas Mavericks, they were playing. You and I were at that game on, on Saturday at the yeah. Kohl Center. Had some nice things to say about Madison. So it was a great college town. Wish he would have spent more time here when he was with the Bucks. Well, he could have went to college here instead of Utah. He could have. He had a choice. I don't know. I don't know if Wisconsin was really in on the recruiting for Bogut back in the day. Bogut should have yeah. recruited himself here. You know, just brought himself. Like, <laughs> I'm hey, coming here. I'm a tall guy and I'm good at basketball. Yeah. Like, I can play. If only we could have done that. I don't think you can just show up and demand a scholarship. Didn't a kid? I think it was for Cal. Some like some like defensive tackle like four or five years ago. Didn't he like hold this big press conference, commit to Cal? And then it was found out like a week later that he was never even recruited by them. Didn't or, even have an offer. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I don't. I don't yeah. remember the exact details. He like catfished himself. Yeah, that is uh, that's next level catfishing. Right. You, you kind of like fake everybody out, but the joke's actually on you yeah. because you're you're not getting. Yeah, it's the like scholarship. I, I, what, what was he expecting? Like they just thought like, oh, we must have forgot that we offered this guy a scholarship. What's your end game? Like free hats <laughs> right. from your school? Like your school well, is like, point, oh, we're we'll gonna get, get hats found for out. you. Yeah, it's like. You know, you're, maybe you're trying to impress somebody, and then you know football season comes around, and you're still hanging out at home. It's like, didn't you? Aren't you supposed to be playing for Cal right now? Like, oh yeah, that fell through. Well, doesn't your coach have a, a loose idea that Cal has or has not <laughs> yeah, been like, recruiting? Even if you're not that tight with your coach, your coach would know. Like, oh yeah, they contacted yeah, me like, just did, to get did a character he come reference. Come to the coach, his high school coach, and say like, hey, uh, I've got to put this press conference on. I just signed a, a, a discreet scholarship with Cal. Uh, I know you haven't heard anything about this. Very odd. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Hill left that game with an aggravation of that chest injury that he mm-hmm. had going into the week. So we'll see where he's at. Brandon LaFell scored twice against the Cowboys because he's the greatest. Yeah, that's what Brandon LaFell does. Andy Dalton finished 29-41 with the two TDs. Not a terrible game for him. Oh, I thought the Bengals were better than this, though. I really uh, did, too. Dallas played really well in this game, but I mean, this was 28-0. to zero. This, was, this was a bigger blowout than the score indicates. I thought Cincinnati's defense was good enough to get the win on the road at Dallas. Yeah. So they, that they're in a little bit of a situation about. here at 2-3. and three. I still think they're better than the Ravens, um, but they're, they're, in, yeah, a little, they they're in a two-game hole already behind them. Not good. No. Not good at all. Bills Rams. LaShawn McCoy, 18 carries, 150 yards. But Mike Gillisley gets the TD. And then Justin Hunter and Marquise Goodwin get the receiving scores from Tyrod Taylor. 12 of 23 for 124 yards. But it was good enough to beat the Rams. Uh, the Bills hanging around. Three and two. 
pesky. Since firing Greg Roman, everything has turned around for the Bills. Apparently, you can win games on the road when you pass for 124 yards now. And just, I mean, LaShawn McCoy has been incredible, by the way. I don't think we've really talked about him all that much on the the podcast. Maybe you have uh, on the radio. You said he looked like Barry Sanders. Hey, I I was repeating what someone else said. That's what I'm saying. We've had. Are you not ready to 8.3 yards per carry? It's a little little Barry Sanders esque. Just, just watch a YouTube video of Barry. He is the best cutter in the NFL, though, right? McCoy, like, he runs differently than any other running back. There are a lot of running backs that kind of that run the same style. Like he's like every step is a cut for him. Hmm. It could be. He I, runs like he's ice skating. Okay, like speed skating. I could could maybe level at that. Okay. I'm not giving that game any more time. I'm not talking right, about no, anything fine. else. This is not that one that I thankfully caught a whole lot of. You you avoided it. Mm-hmm. Well done. Chargers Raiders, Phillip Rivers, 359, four TDs, two picks. Melvin Gordon scored this time as a pass catcher. One catch, 18 yards, 16 carries, 69 yards, lost a fumble. Everybody still hates Melvin Gordon yep. because that's what people do. People are jerks. Tyrell Williams, 5 for 117 and a score on six targets. Travis Benjamin, 7 for 117 on 11 targets. Both receivers looking pretty good right now. Hunter Henry scored. Antonio Gates scored. If they were one player, they could be elite as long as they're both on the field, I feel like both are fringy to be relied upon in season long pretty much every week. This is a, a, another just like heart-wrenching Chargers loss, which seems like, I mean, they're one in four, and it seems like all four have, have come down to something similar to this, but this was the worst of all. I mean, they had a chance to, to kick what would have been about a 35, 34-yard field goal, I believe, uh, with two minutes left in this game, uh, and they fumbled a snap. And... Yeah, I, there's a great. Did you see the the vine of Philip Rivers that was going around after that? Like after you know they just a completely mishandled snap. Like it was just you know a gaff on the part of San Diego. Like there's no reason that should happen. And the the camera immediately pans to Philip Rivers, who's who's on his, on the sideline shaking his head, and you can see him mouth uh, bad news bears, <laughs> <laughs> which is definitely something you could just picture Philip Rivers saying in his in his incredible Southern accent. Isn't Philip Rivers the still rumored to be the player that never uses profanity? He's got a I lot can see of, that. He's I got mean, a lot of kids. And he's stuff. like a mega Christian, isn't he? Right, right. I can and totally see that. Yeah. A big, big family, so it kind yeah. of makes sense, you know. Like well, when most players, you know, they'll pan, and you know, I think Rogers last night the camera caught him after this first or second pick, uh, using a, a, a couple expletives. Uh, the BS word I think was dropped like seven times in about thirty seconds. Uh, but yeah, like totally, Sarah Marshall style. Is that what he he went with? What do you mean? Uh, it's just, not, I have seen that movie. I just it's don't too, know. It's too exactly odd. It's, it's when she's about. talking about Aldous's tattoos. I can't but, say it on the pod. You have to reference yeah, well, it yourself. Yeah, I mean, what other BS swear words are there? Yeah, that's it. Those, those <laughs> yeah. are the ones. Um, but yeah, you could totally see Rivers, you know, just screaming, ah, "Bad news bear!" Oh, cookies! Right. Like, just, <laughs> exactly. You know, like, which is fine. Um, the world, I guess, could be a better place if we all I, did that. But we I read won't. something after the game. I don't. I don't remember if, where where it was, but it was basically a, a kind of like a mini column calling for the Chargers to trade Philip Rivers, basically like out of respect for him, like we're not good enough. You're never going to win here, type of thing. I mean, he is 34. He's going to be 35 in December. Hmm. Plenty of teams need him, right? I mean, this is, it almost kind of reminded me of, you know, in the NBA where you get to the trade deadline in February and there's like a team that wants to grab one more piece to load up for a playoff run. Like, I don't know what team that is out there. Like, I don't know, like if you're Denver, do you try to grab Phillip Rivers and, you know, late in the season? Like, I don't think like that never really happens in the NFL. You know, there's not a big trade deadline where teams do that. Um, but it, it would certainly be interesting. I don't think anything will happen. This was more of just a, you know, one man's opinion type of thing. Yeah, I, I'm guessing that's all spec and... What what are they going to do at quarterback if they were to trade him? Like they they'd, they'd right. be in the same boat as every other. I don't, other I don't team. even know what it would take. Trades in the NFL are so weird. Like I don't, I don't like. Would it shock you if a team traded like a third round pick and that was considered fair value? Like that seems to happen all the time. Where like good players go for very low draft picks. Yeah, and Philip Rivers still has three years left on his contract, and that's at like thirty five mil. It's it's unlikely, but it's very unlikely. Interesting column, I guess. Yeah, uh, Derek Carr was pretty good in this one. Twenty five of forty, three seventeen, two TDs. DeAndre Washington disappointed. Nine for twenty three on the ground. Jalen Richard eight for thirty one. Fullback Olawale gets in for a TD. Sure, steals it. Steals this week's John Kuhn. Is it Jalen Richard or Richard? I just assume Richard. I, well, see, I looked this up because I, I had heard last week the announcers kept calling him Jalen Richard. I was like, that's really weird. I thought Come it was on. Richard. But then I looked up the official pronunciation, like the and it, it says Richard. Fine. 
So just just for the record, I, I'm not confirming personally that that's how it is, but the pronunciation guide says it's Richard. What a joke. Right. Mari Cooper, 6 for 138 in a TD. Michael Crabtree, 3 for 47 in a TD. I'm beside myself. That yeah, pronunciation is outrageous. It's actually Amari uh, Cooper, not Cooper. I'll check that one, too. <laughs> I don't even care anymore. That's yeah. going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake and Eric will be here to butcher names and have the waiver episode for you on Tuesday. I'll be back to butcher names later in the week. Don't worry, I'm not actually that mad. <laughs> you can get a free 10 day trial to Rotowire by going to rotowire.com/slash pod. Again, waiver episode coming Tuesday, so keep your ears open for that. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.